0: Janet Yellen, that is somebody that I have not discussed very much as of late, but she's back reminding us all that her reality continues to kind of diverge from what I think many of, of my viewers as well as myself would say is the actual reality about our uh, economy, global economy, our financial system, etc. See, Janet Yellen is the type of person to see the Federal Reserve and government regulation as sort of the solution. To to many of the problems that we face, rather than realizing that hey, many of these problems that we face are actually the result of things like regulation and the Federal Reserve in the first place. So you know, if nothing else, she should be a a, a good reminder of of to maybe be thankful for for what we have right now uh, in terms of our Fed uh, Chairman Jerome Powell. I know I give him a hard time for things like raising interest rates. Uh, especially too quickly, I talk about how he's going to to you know basically hike us into a recession, hike us potentially into another financial crisis. And you know, coincidentally, that's what this uh, article here from CNBC is about. Janet Yellen warning of another potential financial crisis. I do give him a hard time, but he I think he is an improvement. And then that's not that's not to comment on on Janet Yellen's demeanor, her appearance, or anything like that. But simply her track record. I mean, she's going to go down in history as one of the most Delvish, Fed chairmen, women, whatever uh, you know, in the history of the Fed, as well as you know the history of of you know major central banks. I mean, think about her tenure. I mean, she took over for uh, Ben Bernanke, and and you know, of course, she was chairman for for a number of years uh maybe about a year a little less than a year of a little over a year actually of of trump's presidency she she um of course was replaced by jerome powell in uh at the beginning of february of 2018 and you know in that time span she she led a very dovish dovish fed i mean remember bernanke um he was you know the chairman during the financial crisis and and that's a topic for a whole nother discussion but but yellen she was a chairwoman for a good chunk of the quote unquote recovery and yet she kept interest rates at a very low level for a very long time and then she didn't raise interest rates until like the very end of 2015 didn't raise them again until the very end of 2016 only hiked them a couple of times in, in 2017 she did begin quantitative tightening towards the end of 2017 but even that you know the fact that she waited that long until you know there's a different president in the White House to to begin uh, uh tightening monetary policy, even that you know you know the thought of uh, potential political bias kind of entered into the equation like why didn't she do that for the prior administration? Why did she wait to do the bulk of the hiking until a different administration was in place um, but but you know the truth of the matter. Is that whether you're you're Janet Yellen or Ben Bernanke and and you're far too loose with your monetary policy, you, you promote uh real rates that are below zero percent, or or quantitative easing or easy money policies or whatever. Or you're Jerome Powell, who thus far has been a bit more of a hawk, raising interest rates, you know, stay the course, focus on the data. Regardless of, of who's in the Fed, uh, my longtime viewers know that that that's not really my gripe. It's yes, I'm not a fan of them um creating bubbles through through cheap money through low interest rates. I'm not a fan of them then popping those bubbles by raising interest too quickly like like Greenspan and eventually Bernanke did and now uh I I believe Jerome Powell is doing. That's not my overall beef with the Fed. That's that's a big deal and that plays a huge role with what's going on in the markets and I talk a ton about that. But my overall beef with the Fed is is kind of the absurdity of it. The, the absurdity that a centrally planned uh, entity a federal reserve a central bank can somehow f- tweak things just right for the economy i mean there's just so many flaws with this okay even if you assume that the fed chairman or chairwomen and and all the voting members and non-voting members etc are impartial they are 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 well-educated economists they 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 don't have political bias or anything like that okay already there's some flaws here okay first of all well, okay, they're economists, and, and even Jerome Powell, I don't think he has formal education in that. But i you know, okay. He's a bright guy, okay. But but what school of thought were they, uh, you know, trained in? I mean, many, many lay people on the street, when it comes to economists, I think they just assume you know it's all the same. But no, I mean, there's a huge difference between a, an Austrian or a Keynesian or or somebody that you know subscribes to like a Chicago school of economics. You know, there's a huge difference between all of this. Okay, so that's one piece, you know what are they i mean it's it's a difference between a Democrat and a republican i mean when he, when it comes down to it, there's a huge difference here, okay, second of all, even if they are data dependent, the data can be flawed okay uh, first of all, we have a massive economy here in the United States, okay, second of all, there's certainly bias for that data to be manipulated right based on political reasons, based on all sorts of other reasons yeah, it can be it can be imperfect, it can be manipulated um and also it's it can be delayed, right. The Fed oftentimes has been forced into being reactive rather than proactive because data is imperfect. Okay? So that's even just assuming that they're impartial, that they're not biased. But, but imagine that they are. Then the potential for abuse of their power is enormous. No longer are they just screw ups or no longer are they just kind of missing the point with their policy because A, they can't tailor it correctly and B, um, you know, uh they they are are just overall ineffective, then there's a potential for political bias. Like, hey, what if a a, a given uh group of, of Federal Reserve governors and and, and board members and presidents, etc., um, like the current administration, so they keep policy easy for him or her. And then the next administration they tighten things up. I mean, you can see where this can go wrong. That's really my beef with the Fed. The absurdity to think that they should be able to or even that they accurately can uh tailor their policies to to the economy. It's it's absurd. I um, mean yet that's what we have here in the United States, that's what just about every country in the world has, which I what what I would much rather have is a a sort of a free market type system, right? Something where where you can have uh, uh the market basically set interest rates. It wouldn't be perfect, right? It would still be prone to bubbles to some extent, to excesses, I mean, that's one of the Fed's favorite terms, excesses in in asset values, in debt, etc. But the bias, the imperfect data, the, honestly, arrogance of it all would be removed from the equation to some extent. So you know, I, I know that's a big prelude into what I'm talking about here in this video, but that's important. I want to get that off my chest, that, that it's not just Yellen, it's not just Bernanke, it's not just the whole concept of it. Even if we have a hawk, even if we have a guy that I think is you know, doing a good thing that maybe isn't corrupt, maybe isn't in for the big banks or for the big players in the economy. The whole, the whole concept of central banking is, I think, flawed. It's, it's centrally planning and, and, and fraught with, with, uh, uh, with, with risk and, and risk of, of screwing up and risk of uh, bias. But getting into this, this article right here from, uh, from CNBC, Yellen warns of another potential financial crisis, quote, gigantic holes in the system. This is really interesting. So I want to go over this right here. Of course, I highlighted some of the important things here. So former Fed Reserve Chair Janet Yellen told the New York audience she fears there could be another financial crisis because banking regulators have seen reductions in their authority to address panics and because of the current push to deregulate. I think things have improved, but then I think there are gigantic holes in the system," Yellen said Monday night in a discussion moderated by New York. I know it's kind of cut off for you guys. Here, New York Times columnist. You're not missing much here, by the way. It's it's you know a couple uh, uh, letters, you know, to to the right side of this. Uh, otherwise, if, if I if I create smaller, then you can see all these icons down below, and that's sloppy. But anyways, uh, where was I? New York Times columnist Paul Krugman. <laughs> that's that's not surprising. Okay, Paul Krugman. The tools that are available to deal with emerging problems are not great in the United States. So That's kind of the first thing I want to unpack here. Tools that are available to deal with emerging problems are not great in the United States. What does that mean? Well, we, we, we know that... <laughs> so I recorded this earlier, and I uploaded it without any sound, but I'm going to go over basically what I said before when I did this. Uh, what I said before <laughs> was, uh, you know, we know that the Federal Reserve... And the members of it oftentimes say things in their speeches that that uh, kind of suggest future policies, future ideas that they're pushing for. And and I kind of poked fun at, at Dave from the X-22 report. I don't know if you guys watch his channel. But he'll often do this thing where he kind of takes a, a, a statement. Um, for example, it could be anything. It could be like, uh, you know we know that that Donald Trump prefers to sleep without socks on. And because of that, you know, he kind of says that we know and therefore, like, it's kind of fact. And oftentimes it's it's not a bit more speculation than anything else. But anyways, we, we kind of do to some extent know this, that, that the Fed oftentimes does hint at future policies, future policy ideas through these types of speaking engagements. And she's what she's advocating for here is more power for the Fed. Now, the, pa- the Fed is kind of interesting organization its power is unchecked, but I think there are some reasonable limitations on it, right? There's a reason that the fed hasn't yet undergone some policies, right? But it's also unchecked. I mean, meaning that if they do one thing or another, I mean, the Congress, the president for the most part, haven't really done anything about it, but what she's advocating for here are more tools. And, and you know, for example, she says right here, regulators can only address such problems at individual banks, not through the financial system. Um, basically saying that like, uh, you know, she wonders if if they can have uh, more ability to to I guess engage in these in these different problems. You know, I also wonder if she's also advocating for 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 I don't know future policies that I have a feeling the Fed will undertake in the future. Things like uh, helicopter money, right, delivering money directly to people rather than financial institutions. Right? Or how about buying assets other than just mortgage-backed securities and bonds? Like how about equities? You know, let's prop up the stock market. How about real estate? Prop up the real estate market. You know, things like that. Or how about you know direct monetization of the debt? You know, rather than this QE business, why not just give money directly to the treasury? You know, I, I wonder if sometimes those are the types of things she's talking about here as well. Um, she goes on to say, the former Fed chair, now a scholar at the Brookings Institution, said there remains an agenda of unfinished regulation. I'm not sure we're working on those things in the way we should. And then there remain holes. And then there's regulatory pushback. So I do worry that we could have another financial crisis. So I want to talk about regulation here in a second. But first of all, another financial crisis. Now, many of you guys might recall that, oh, 18, 17, 16 months ago, when she was still Fed chair, Uh, Janet Yellen actually kind of said the opposite of this, okay? And actually, I have the article right here. This is from Reuters, okay? From June 27, 2017. Again, she was in office at this time. Feds Yellen expects no new financial crisis in our lifetimes. Now, our lifetime, her lifetime, whatever. We're we're getting into semantics. There's a huge difference there, obviously. But basically, where is it here? She says, "Would would I say there will never, ever be another financial crisis? You know, probably that would be going too far, but I do think we're much safer, and I hope that in our... That it will not be in our lifetimes, and I don't believe it will be. Okay. Now going back to this, she says, "I do worry that we ha- we could have another financial crisis." Interesting. Now I-, I would assume she's probably not worried about another financial crisis outside of her lifetime, which could be another twenty years, or or everybody's lifetime at the time of of her speaking. So you know anybody that has yet been born. So we're talking eighty years in the future. So she's probably worried about something a little bit closer. So I don't know if she just couldn't foresee. Um, a, a change in policy, change in regulation, change in the status of the economy, markets, etc., or if maybe this was just her, uh, the, the, the chair, Yellen versus former chair Yellen here. Um, but it, it's interesting that all of a sudden she's kind of flipped on this. Um, you know, the other thing that she's talking about here. Uh, um, let's see here. I'm not sure we're working on things. Okay, talking about regulatory pushback. Not enough regulation. Now, this is a really interesting topic. That like, listen up here. So, I guess this my my take on, on regulation. You guys know I'm I'm more of a libertarian. I'm not a huge fan of government regulation and whatnot. And yet, you know, on the surface, banking regulation looks like it could be an excellent idea. Like, let's regulate the banks in various manners so that they cannot take on as much risk. And therefore, we can prevent massive excesses or, or or high amounts of risk in these in these uh, you know globally systematically important banks or GSIBs or whatever uh, too big to fail you know another another term for it uh, let's make sure that they aren't exposed to too much risk through regulation okay again I'm not a fan of regulation I think there's a bad a lot of bad downsides to it but um, that's kind of what she's pushing for here is more regulation now on the surface it sounds like a great idea. You know, and in the current climate, it's hard to always argue against. Even though you know, my, my gut tells me like no, but you know, the the broader view, like right, rather than than looking at this, you know, let's zoom out a bit here. Regulation largely needs to be in place right now. I shouldn't say need, but is in place. People see it as a need to be in place right now. Not just because of, of corporations and, and how important they are to the system or their risk they've taken in the past, but because of how the Fed and governments have responded to them uh, basically failing in the past when that risk is kind of blown up in their faces. right? And so what's happened in the past, we saw this in 2008, we, ha- we saw this happen many times throughout the, the history of the Fed uh, here in the United States, the last 50 years, last 100 years, is that banks would take on a large amount of risk. Uh, the, the one that I think she quotes here in this article somewhere is leveraged loans but many other ones uh, throughout its history uh, they, they take on this large amount of risk and basically what happens is either A it works out for them that large amount of risk has a large amount of reward and hey they have huge profits those profits either go into the bank or they go to, to the, the employees the CEOs executives etc or you know, these are large risk they blow up in their face and, and the company is on the brink of Claps, but of course everybody says it's too big to fail what happens if goldman sachs what happens if citibank what if happens if bank of america fails okay and so they get a bailout they get assistance from the fed etc etc it's 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 a moral hazard of sorts i think that's the right term for this moral hazard basically you know i would i would and, and if that didn't occur, if they had been allowed to fail in the past, you've got to wonder, maybe they would be less likely to take on these risks you know th- there's a term that the Fed put when it comes to the stock market you know if the If the stock market falls too much, the fed's going to step in with uh, lowered interest rates or at least talking about it or QE or something you know that they would never allow the the stock market to fall below a certain level. You know, and you wonder maybe that's part of the reason that the Fed is at such high valuations today. Well, kind of the same thing goes for these these corporations, not just financial institutions. We we see it with, with uh, uh, you know manufacturing companies and whatnot as well. You know, GM or or or, uh, uh, Chrysler, etc. You wonder if there's a bit of a link here. It's it's akin to if you know if you're a parent, okay, and you have a kid that let's say is a is a teenager, okay, and every time they get in trouble, do something wrong, screw up, whatever you want to call it, rather than that, allowing them to, to kind of experience the, the, uh, the consequences of, of their actions, instead you step in and, and basically try and, and, and save the day and, and prevent them from experiencing those. You can give whatever reason, maybe you don't want to deal with it. Maybe you say you love them too much to allow them to, for that to happen. What, whatever. Okay, maybe you just coddle your kid. Okay, so it would be like if your kid ends up in the in, in you know teenager ends up in the principal's office, and you show up to school and and you use your influence, you somehow talk your way out of it, and and they don't have to experience any consequences. Well, what's going to happen in their life? And eventually, you know, them screwing up in school, ending up in the principal's office is going to lead to them, um, you know, ending up with, with like a DUI or, or otherwise, you know, committing fraud or otherwise screwing up and, and not really accepting responsibility, right? Because they will have never really experience what happens when they screw up and they actually have to take responsibility and have to uh, accept the consequences of their actions. Same thing you know, on a larger scale here with, with these banks, with these financial institutions. If they have a backstop, i.e. the Fed and the U.S. government, to save the day whenever these risks blow up in their face, then they're never going to stop taking those risks. They're always going to take those risks, right? Uh, the, the, the term that's been used in the past is, is uh, privatization of profits, meaning when times are great, they privatize those profits, they funnel them to, to the extremely wealthy. And when times are tough, when times are not good, but times are tough, you socialize the losses. Privatization of profits, socialization of losses. Who picks up the bill? Taxpayers, either through inflation or through funds from the U.S. government, which ultimately leads to more debt at the government level, and inflation. That was a lot for me to say there, but but this is important for, for um, regulation. I mean, when you hear somebody bring up this argument, it's, it's funny. You know, at the beginning of this this whole thing, I was talking about how the Fed is – not necessarily the solution to all these problems, but more often is the case they're they're the cause of a lot of these problems. Like maybe we should stop worrying about what the Fed is going to do to 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 uh, pop this bubble or not pop this bubble, regulate or not regulate. Like how about we realize that the Fed and central banking they're not the only problem, right? Just like fiat or or centralized government, federal governments, whatever, UN, IMF, you know, BIS, those things are not the sole cause, but they play a huge role in this. And we're not going to solve any of these problems if we don't begin to acknowledge that. Of course, there's no incentive for the Fed to ever acknowledge that they're part of the problem. mean, the day that they do that, the day that they say, hey, maybe we blew up this bubble, maybe we need to, to have a good long sit down and, and, and think about you know, what should we do going forward. Like We've been massively unsuccessful in promoting financial stability in the time of our existence. And, and we've seen it in so many other financial institutions, maybe we need to take a different route. And, and I'd be happy to accept a compromise along the way. I mean, pr- compromises, uh, halfway points, so they've been pr- uh, proposed by many people. So for example, how about a Fed that rather than solely being determined by by the the um, judgment of, of the members and of, of the chair, uh, how about instead the Fed is totally data-dependent? Not just somebody that says they're data-dependent, but quite literally, let's look at just the data, right? Inflation is this, well, we're going to hike. We're going to keep interest rates. We're going to lower them, right? It's not ideal, right? Because the statistics again are not ideal, but it's a compromise, right? And you're somewhat removing the potential for for bias. And and you know, you can take it a step further. Ultimately, central banks. Um, I don't think that they are what they do is in the best interest of of the average person. Now, whether Janet Yellen or Jerome Powell feel that way, maybe they feel like they are are the saviors, maybe not, but the fact of the matter is that their track history is is not very good right um they they've poorly managed the amount of wealth that the u.s has been able to to accumulate uh in 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 our history i mean think about it created in 1913 right uh by 1929 we had our first massive crisis the uh, great depression we didn't really get out of that until like world war ii and then after that i mean it was No surprise that we kind of dominated the world economic space because, I mean, what could we count as losses? We had the human lives, which was a big deal. We spent a fair amount on the war effort, uh, and and there was... Uh, you know, there was there was Pearl Harbor. There were some other islands in the Pacific, some Alaskan islands. There were some, you know, uh, slight, uh, I don't know if bombardment's the right word, but slight attacks on the West Coast. But as a whole, we were mostly left unscathed with the exception of the cost that we invested and, of course, the lives, which is tragic and all. But compared to Europe, I mean, Europe was left scarred. I mean, name a country that wasn't scarred. I mean, like Spain, well, so they had to deal with their own, you know, civil war during that period. Um, there was very few, you know, maybe Switzerland to some extent didn't, you know, really bear the brunt of it, but Germany, France, UK, Italy, um, you know, Eastern Europe, uh, Russia, uh, the USSR at the time, uh, China, uh, China was a huge uh, casualty of it, you know, much of Southeast Asia, Japan, uh, Korea, on and on and on of all these countries that suffered as a result of World War II, and the U.S. emerged um, successful and 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 so we had this huge amount of wealth, and yet. Here we are today, no longer on a gold standard, right? a fiat currency that is constantly being inflated away, an economy that is built on the back of massive amounts of debt, massive amounts of basically reputation, and and reputation of the dollar, the petrodollar system, etc., and not based on sound economic growth, sound demographics, or anything like that. Um, they they've squandered it, and, and people just don't, don't quite realize it yet, so... I don't know how long I've gone now. Uh, as I said earlier, I, I uploaded this earlier, and I and I I was proud of it. You know, I, I I thought that was a good piece that I put out, and yet there's no sound. Well, this one uh, has sound, and and I and I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it's been informational for you guys today. So, uh, if you enjoyed this video, the number one thing that you can do to support my channel is something you've already done, and that's watch this video or listen to this podcast. So, thank you for that. And by the way, yeah, guys, I am on podcast platforms. If you prefer to listen rather than watch uh, most of the platforms out there I should be on by now. Um, other than that, uh, liking, commenting, subscribing. If you are listening through podcasts, rating this, uh, this podcast, um, as a whole or this episode or whatever, uh, that helps me out a ton. But as always, I'm just happy to have you here in the first place. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video or listening to the podcast and God bless.